0: Welcome to the P. Vine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Hey, would you take your Bible's turn to Matthew chapter 6. I started a sermon series a few weeks ago entitled Jesus Said What? And uh, here's where we are. We are, we're looking at everything in your Bible is true from Genesis to maps. It's all true in your Bible and every word is the word of God. However, there are uh, certain words in your Bible that are in red. That means Jesus said those and they were recorded by his followers under the inspiration of Holy Spirit. Now that doesn't make them Any more the word of God than what's in black in your Bible, it's all the word of God. However, we just, if Jesus said it, we might look at it a little closer. And even of all that's in red in your Bible, there's one particular sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, that covers about three chapters, that is the most fabulous sermon of all time. And in that sermon, Jesus changed paradigms. Jesus changed so much of what they believed about uh, uh, the Christian life or what would become know as a Christian life, the God-following life. And so what we're doing is I'm going through and I'm just pulling out some of the statements that Jesus made and were, were, that are the, some of the most shocking that he made and we're, we're looking at those and just seeing what did he mean by that. So we looked at, you know, nip it in the bud, get, get rid of sin before it starts. We talked last time about loving the unlovable, loving your enemies, which is incredibly hard to do and goes against even what was being taught in that day. Today, I want to preach this sermon title, this sermon subject, because Jesus said this beginning in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He said, don't be a worrywart. He didn't quite say it like that, but that's, what, that's how we interpret it. Now, let's be honest. How many of you are worriers? Let me see your hand. There you go. Altar should be filled today. And for those of you who didn't raise your hand, do you lie every day or you just lie on Sundays? (laughs) Right, because some of us, I mean, some of it's gender related. I mean, I've noticed women tend to worry more than men do, but ladies, don't let the men fool you. We worry. I mean, if you're 25, 30 years old and you're single, you know, you kind of live in life and you got it by the horns. But listen, uh, uh, you've got worries then. And when you get a family, your worries now aren't so much about you, they're about kids and wife and family that I've got to worry about. I mean, we, we are worriers too. Don't, don't let anybody fool you. All of us have worries about life. All of us have questions about life. I love this graphic. Throw that graphic up there. This is one of my favorite things ever. Worrying works. 90% of the things I worry about never happen, right? Like, My worrying is driving my troubles away. That's not in reality how it really is. I mean, we know that the majority of things that we worry about never really come to pass. And yet we know that in our minds, but we have such a difficult time because we're worrying about the things we don't know about. Cartographers back, we, we take maps for granted today. You, you can take that graphic down. We take maps for granted today. Uh, we've got them on our phone. We've got Apple Maps and Google Maps. And Man, I, I could tell you how to get anywhere you want to get in the world just by... I mean, I, you probably get through the jungles of Africa with an iPhone, but it hadn't always been that way. It was that a map used to be a big deal. It was that... Uh, for example, in the 1600s, the Linux globe came out and it was one of the most revolutionary maps of its time. But they still didn't know all about the world. There's still so much of the world they would yet to explore. And so, cartographers, when they, would, when they would make a map, they would make it as much as they knew how to make it. And then they'd get over in a corner and nobody had ever been to this part of the world and come back. And so, they'd put this up uh, there Here be dragons sunt dragons in the Latin. Here be dragons. Here's what they'd say. They'd say we know all about this area over here. We've never seen a dragon. We've never experienced a dragon. We don't know anything about dragons. But here's what we know. For this part we don't know about there must be dragons. Things that'll eat you. Things that'll destroy you. Things that'll take your life away from you. You can take that down. But can I tell you that's that's kind of how we go about life as well, isn't it? Like if we got our mind wrapped around it, if we know about it, if it is charted waters for us, we're okay. But the minute life gets into uncharted waters, the minute life gets to somewhere we don't know about, the minute life gets gets beyond our ability to see it, beyond our ability to understand it, there's something in our spirits that says there. There must be dragons over there. And that part I don't know about. And that part I don't understand. And that part where I've not yet been. I mean, I've not seen dragons so far, but there must be dragons there. And here's the truth. The what ifs and the maybes and the I don't knows cause us to fear the dragons of life. And the what ifs and the maybes and the I don't knows create an enormous amount of anxiety in our life, which in turn creates an enormous amount of worry in our lives. And there's some days we can get by okay, but there's some days that the worry overtakes us and the anxieties overtake us because we're afraid of the dragons that lurk Beyond the corner. I normally say, if that's you. But the truth is, that is you and that is me. I mean, the truth is, I'm not excited about preaching this sermon this morning. The truth is, I have anxieties, I have worries, and I have stress. And so do you. And Jesus gave us all a word. So would you stand with me as we read Matthew chapter 6, beginning verse 25. If you have it on your Bible or your digital device, that's great. But if not, just look up on the screen. That's what I'm going to do. Look, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body, more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field for how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O ye, or you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So verse 34, almost looks out of place. In 33, 34. In the middle of worrying, here's what Jesus said. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, worry is the key word in those ten verses. It's used six different times, mostly Jesus saying, do not worry. So let me walk you through those uh, verses, and I'll do it quickly for the sake of time. There's so much in here. There's so many sermons in here. I'm going to try to make three observations at the end that I think will help us. But let's let's walk through that and see what Jesus said. Jesus starts off in verse number uh, uh, 25 by saying this: "Therefore, do I say to you, do not worry." Now that phrase sets the tone for the whole passage. It's a phrase that has grown into our vernacular. It's a phrase that has become part of even our songs. You you remember, don't worry, be happy. It's a phrase that Jesus used. And so Jesus comes along and he says, here's what I want you not to worry about. I don't want you to worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, about anything that has to do with your body. I don't want you to worry about what you're going to wear. Now, in Jesus' day, that, that could have been a cause of anxiety for those listening to him. It was p- quite possibly a very uh, economically deprived crowd, but I, I mean, we'll, we'll argue today as well. If you don't know where, where your meal is coming from or you don't know where your uh, uh, food and water are coming from, if you don't know where your clothes are, that's a source of great anxiety. In just a few weeks, um, uh, you've got to buy school clothes for kids, right? Right? That can be a lot of anxiety and worry because it's not cheap. And so Jesus then, he says, don't worry. And he may basically say, don't worry about the necessities of life. But then he goes on, beginning in verse 26, and he gives us two examples of how Jesus can take care of your needs. I love these two examples. He he talks about the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. Now, here's what Jesus says about the birds of the air. He said, they, they... They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather in the barns. They have absolutely nothing stored up for the future. Now, you you take a squirrel, a squirrel will dig holes and bury stuff for the winter. Birds don't do any of that. Birds get up every morning and say, I wonder where the worm is today, right? I mean, they're looking today. They don't plan, they don't save, they get up every day. And they're looking for their food today. And, and, and Jesus said, your, your heavenly Father cares for the birds. I mean, it's not often you see birds falling out of the sky from hunger, right? Like hey, they, God's taken care of. And he goes on and uses another example. He says, stop worrying about your clothing for the lilies of the field. The lilies of the field, they don't, they don't toil, they don't, they don't work, they don't make clothing. But yet Solomon in all of his glory, the richest man to ever lived, he wasn't arrayed as beautifully as what a lily is. And so Jesus says this, so if, so if he cares for the birds and he cares for grass plant life which is here one day and it's it's mowed down the next how much more is he going to care for you that has a soul that he died for and that he loves with all of his He says, O ye of little faith. That's a tough statement. Because in actuality, worry comes back to a lack of faith. Worry always comes back to a lack of faith in the love that God has for you. Worry always comes back to a lack of faith that, that you have in God's ability to provide. Worry always comes back to a lack of faith in, in eternal security and in heaven and in God's ability. I mean, the fact is, if we're worrying about food, clothing, shelter, the basic necessities of life, there's other things that fit in those categories. It is always a faith in God Issue. You say, preacher, I have a hard time with faith. I know you do. We all have a hard time with faith. But understand, let me, let me make sure you understand this because I'm not preaching on faith today. I'm, I'm not even going to mention it later on the sermon. I want you to hear it now. Faith is not believing that God is going to work out everything the way you want it to work out. Faith is trusting God no matter how he works things out. So knowing it's a lack of faith, go back to verse 27 there in the sound room if if you can find verse 27 because there's a statement in there that is worth noticing. He said, can you by worrying add one cubit to your stature or one cubit to your height? Jesus said, can worry make you taller? Now, they tell us in the Greek that that word translated cubit may not necessarily even be a height measurement. It was also the measurement for time. So some of you have a translation that says, can you by worrying add one minute to your day? And that is actually an accurate translation as well. It depends on the context of the conversation on how it would be translated. And so uh, here's what Jesus is saying. What good is all that worry doing you? Can you through worry accomplish anything? Can you through worry get anywhere? Is the worry going to make your life better? Is worrying going to make you taller or give you 25 hours in a day to try to solve your problems? And it's a rhetorical question. The answer obviously is no. And so hear me well, because I've had to have it drilled. I've been working in the sermon for two weeks. And it stressed me out for two weeks. I've worried about worrying. (sighs) Because here's the bottom line you have to come to worry doesn't solve any problems at all, is what Jesus was saying in verse 27. I'm not even talking about that in my sermon today. I told you there's a bunch of sermons in here, but the fact is worry does not solve my problem. So what else did Jesus say? We'll look down in, in verse number 34, uh, 31, and, he, and here's what we, we're told, verse number 31. So don't worry about what we'll eat or what we drink or what we we'll wear. For notice this, these are the things the Gentiles seek after. Here's, when he says Gentiles in this context, he means the unbelievers in this context. So, so here's what we know, that um, unbelievers worry about all this stuff. Now why, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you ought to be filled with all kinds of worry. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, listen, I want you to be anxious. I want you to have stress because here, here's what you need to know. If you don't know Jesus, you are one heartbeat away from an eternity in hell. You should be worried. If you don't know Jesus, you are not a child of God. You say, I thought we're all God's children. No, we're all God's creation. Those who have put their faith in Christ are the children of God. And so here's what Jesus said. Hey, the unbelievers, they... Worry about that stuff. Let them worry about it. They don't have a heavenly father. But notice what he says. Your heavenly father knows that you need all of these things. Hey, what a great reminder to know this. There is not a need or a stress or a worry I have that God doesn't know about it. You say, preacher, I I need to worry about it because nobody knows. Somebody does. The one who can do something about it, he knows. So that leads us into that verse 33, which is, in the context of worry, seems out of place. So, so all right, we, we shouldn't worry. It doesn't solve our problems. There's a lack of faith in God, and God knows all this. So what do you want me to do? Well, Jesus did a Jesus juke on you. you don't know what a Jesus juke is, that's when somebody gets over-spiritual in a conversation. You, you've met, you know, people like that. You know, I can't think of anything. You know, it's a sunny day outside. Well, I'm, it's a sunny day outside. S-O-N-N-Y. Every day is a Sunday. You know, whatever. And they, Jesus, you. Well, Jesus pulled one of those. And he said, so here's, in the middle of worry. here's what I want you to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. The word first there does not mean first in line. It means first in priority. It means your number one priority ought to be what's going on in the kingdom of God. And he concludes it with a verse in verse 34 that's just fantastic. Therefore, he bookends it with this phrase, do not worry. We start off in verse 25, do not worry. We end in verse 34, do not worry. And so here's what he says, verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, here's what Jesus Jesus was not saying. Some would say, well, Jesus said don't plan for tomorrow. It's absolutely not what Jesus said. Matter of fact, there are so many Bible verses that say you ought to count the cost and plan for the future and all that stuff. Planning is great. Advanced planning is how you ought to work. Advanced planning is how you ought to live your life. But not advanced worry. Here's what Jesus was saying. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's okay to work but don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Cuz I love this. Can you give me an amen after I say it. Today's got enough trouble, right? Amen. You've got enough to fool with today. You've got enough to worry about today. You've got enough to, your attention, your focus needs to be on today. And I'm telling you, listen, this is good preaching. It's not even in my sermon today. We can get so worried about tomorrow. We are letting God opportunities walk in front of us all day long, and we're not paying attention to them. And so he said, don't worry about tomorrow. But, but, God, there may be dragons tomorrow. Don't, don't worry about tomorrow. There's plenty to worry about, take care of, mind today. So I haven't went through that. And, I mean, you when I was going through there, there's, there's five sermons in there I need to preach. Let me give you three observations that I think maybe are, um, are at the top of our observation list for today. And, 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 man, I hope the whole passage that Jesus said speaks to you. But let me give you three. Number one is this. If you're a worry ward, number one, keep your anxiety in the lens of eternity. Keep your anxiety in the lens of eternity. Now, here's what Jesus kept saying, and it's evident all throughout the passage. Don't worry about this life. Don't worry about this life. Don't worry about the things in this life. Don't worry about the things in your life that pertain to the things of this life. And he used the most basic example, food and clothing which can we just say if you don't have is a major worry. But Jesus kept emphasizing that this life is not the one to worry about. That that he has got this And so Jesus says, don't worry about your basic needs. Don't worry about the things that are temporal. Here's the emphasis Jesus is making. This life is not the one that matters. The next one is the one that matters. In this life, you are preparing for eternity in this life. So it's always the next life that matters. And so Jesus said this, keep this life in the lens of eternity. That everything in this life is passing away, but the next one, the next life is going to last forever. Hey, look look, look right at me. I know know some of you here this morning, you say, well, preacher, I mean, it's easy preaching, but hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's not easy preaching either, but I know it's hard living. That you're here today, and in your life, you've got some major heartache going on in your life. You've got some major stress going on in your life. You've got some major unknowns in your life. You've got some major bad situations in your life. I get it. I am not even saying you don't. I'm telling you, if I were in your shoes, I'd be a worry wart too. Man, I got it. I'm not trying to be hyper-spiritual. But I'm trying to tell you this. When I see my issue through the eternal lens of God... I realize that what's bothering me now will not be bothering me when I get to eternity. Hey, I, I can illustrate that easily. Do you remember, I'm, I'm 50, do you, do you remember what you used to worry about when you were a kid? It, does anybody remember the anxiety you had going into first grade? Do you remember anxiety? Maybe you didn't have anxiety. We had a guy in my first grade class. I mean, I was scared to death. We're all scared to death going in first grade. Keep in mind, when I was in first grade, you just don't, it just was different. Not much communication, not as much, you know, no technology at all. We colored during the day. I mean, there was just nothing going on. You didn't know anything about first grade. Your teachers, you weren't connected on Facebook. I mean, you just didn't know anything about anything. Your mama was, you know, dropped you off, and she was not a phone call away. She went home, you know, went to bed, turned the lights off, took the phone off the hook, and you were done. You were there until the day was over. You remember the anxiety you have going to first grade? There's a kid in first grade named uh, Mike who, uh, uh, when I was in first grade, man, we're all sitting there scared to death. I mean, we're just like this. And Mike's mama walks out the door, and Mike, I, I mean, I don't know how to say that. I'm going to be discreet, but Mike's about Five times my size when I was in first grade. And Mike went running, panicking, screaming to the door. And he hit that door wide open and the concrete wall shook inside that first grade classroom. And Mike started beating on the door and crying. And I, you say, would y'all make fun of him? No, I'm thinking if Mike is scared, I should be terrified. <laughs> you remember worrying about first grade? Michaela, she'll be here in second service. Ask her. All, all you teachers, you, you get this. She's been telling us this is her first year of teaching first grade. We, we've been saying, uh, uh, Michaela, she told us, and I, I asked her again this last few days, I said, what do your first graders worry about? And it's so cute what first graders worry about. She said, they're obsessed with second grade. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean obsessed with second grade? She's like, they're worried will the second graders like their new shoes they're wearing. And it's a source of great anxiety for them. Their greatest anxiety is this. Uh, apparently at the school, there is a playground that only second graders can use. And she said her first grader sit and stare at it. <laughs> and they're worried they may not know how to work the second grade playground. It's stressful being a first grader. She said, they worry about time all the time. Are we on time for lunch? Are are we on time for recess? Are we on time for mama to pick me up? They worry about time all the time. And she said, here's why they worry about time. They can't tell time. (laughs) So they don't know if it's recess. They just don't want to miss it. (laughs) And I thought, that's us. We can tell time, but we don't speak eternity. And we're like a bunch of first graders looking at the second grade play set, and we're thinking, oh, my word, am I ever going to get this right? And here's what Jesus was trying to tell you about your worries. When you step into eternity, the worries of this life will seem so small. I mean, you go back and you think about What you worried about in first grade, what you worried about in middle school, what you worried about in high school, those things seem so trivial now. But I'm going to tell you, one of these days when this life is over, whether you die and step into eternity or whether Jesus comes back and takes you into eternity, I'm telling you, the moment we step out of time and into eternity and you you see your anxieties in the lens of eternity, you're going to realize it was nothing to worry about at all. Listen, you laugh at what first graders worry about, but a million years from now, we'll all be laughing at what we worried about in this life. Because you got to keep your anxiety in the lens of eternity. And so I don't know what is causing you anxiety today. I don't know what is causing you stress today. I don't know what is causing you to be a worry. Where You say, oh, preacher, man, man, I, I, you don't understand. I've got some physical issues. My, my relative is, you know, got some things going on and you say, like, like, they may not make it. I get it. I worry about that too. That caused me stress. But listen, if you know Jesus, if they know Jesus, you'll be alive in heaven a million years from now. Wondering why we worried about holding on to this life so much. Whatever your stress may be, whatever your worry may be, I want you to think a million years from now, will it matter at all? And it won't. So Jesus said, number one, keep your anxiety in the lens of eternity. Second thing he told us I think we need to hear is is this. If it's out of your control... It's still under his control. Jesus used the two most basic examples. Now, now hang with me for just a second. If I were Jesus and I were preaching this sermon, can I tell you how I would have said it? I would have said, well, you think your problem's big? Let me tell you what I got going on. I'm spinning the universe. I got Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, whatever that thing, whatever it is now. I got all that spinning over here. Man, I got all this going on. This, that's just one galaxy. I got galaxies and universes. Man, I'm spinning stuff all over the place. And, and, and you don't think I can handle your problem, but that's not what Jesus did. And I, when, when he preaches his sermon, I almost want to raise my hand and say, Jesus, bad illustration, use something better. Birds and lilies? But Jesus was making a point I would never have made, and it was this. Yes, he takes care of the universe. Yes, he takes care of the stars. Yes, he takes care of the planets and all that stuff. Yes, 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 yes. But here's the way our minds would work. If Jesus is so busy spinning all that around, he didn't have time to worry about my little stuff. And that's exactly how your mind would have worked it. And so Jesus didn't use my illustration, which would have been a bad one. He used his, and here's what he said. He said, I am so concerned that a bird finds a worm. I orchestrate heaven and earth to have a worm there for a bird, and there's a billion like them on the planet. But there's one bird, and I'm making sure it gets fed. Jesus said, I do one better. Walk outside and look at a lily growing there in the field. You see that one lily? I care enough that I want to make sure that lily, its petals are positioned properly so it can display the glory of God. And so Jesus is going into a level of detail Make sure a bird has a worm and flowers positioned properly, and they don't have souls. And God said, "If I so care that I have under control the worms and the bird and the plants and the petals and the flowers and all that, how much more do you think I'm going to have your problem? under control see when I see it from that perspective I get a different perspective and it changes the level of anxiety I have see when I understand that God cares so much he can handle that then I understand God cares about me and he doesn't see my problem as that being that hard why because it's all part of the grand design of the plan of God says he care about all this He made sure birds all over the planet got a worm today. Yeah. Whatever your problem is, he's got it under control. I I don't know uh, uh, how many times you have to take your car, you know, to a mechanic. But, uh, you know, used to back in the day when I first got my first car, it was an 81 Dodge Omni. Had a carburetor, four spark plugs. It's pretty simple. My, I, I replaced carburetors on my car. I did all tune-ups myself. I, I, could, I put brakes on that car by myself. Now, if you have a problem with your car, you roll up into the, uh, and if you're a man, this, you know, it's a little uh, emasculating, but you walk up to the mechanic now, and he hooks a computer up to it, and stuff's got thrown off, and he, and he looks at you, and he says, well, there's the problem. The doohickey connected to the thingamabob is uh, not functioning properly and we're going to have to send off for a new computer chip and it's going to be a million dollars. Is that what you think? (laughs) And so if you're a man, you got to act like you know, oh, you know what? I thought it was the doohickey. I just wasn't sure. I just bring it in make sure you thought it was the doohickey too Uh, uh, because we don't know what they're talking about anymore. We can't pretend that we understand that. But I don't get rid of my car because I don't understand it because I know even though I may not understand it, there is someone that does understand it. I'll travel. I'll get across the nation. I'll call back at night expecting to uh, hear my wife and I'll say uh, hey baby, how's it going? And I'm expecting her to say I love you. I miss you so much. You're the love of my life and Majority of time, here's what she says the television doesn't work. <laughs> She's like, I've been trying it all day, been trying to get it fixed, and there's a cooking show I need to watch, and I can't get it fixed. And, and I wish you were here because I just can't figure all this out. And I'll tell her, I said, Baby, pick up the black remote control. Okay. And there's a button in the top right hand, right hand cor- top, top right hand corner. It's green, and it says input. And just hit that input button twice click, click. <gasps> I have television. Shall we say, how did you know that? Because I'm a man. I got the remote control memorized. I know every button on the remote control. That's what we do. We don't know cars, so we go all in on remote controls now, man. I don't have anything else figured out. But she's been at home staring at a blank screen because it it was too much for her. And what was stressing her out was no big deal to me. What stresses me out about a car is no big deal to a mechanic. And can I say to you... Whatever is stressing you out in your life, you got to understand God knows how, to all, how it all works. He's keeping the birds, the plants, the animals, the earth, the stars, the planets, the galaxies all going. And he cares about all of that. And here's what I want to tell you today. He's got your problem too. So keep your anxiety in the lens of God's ability to handle whatever it is. And I don't know what your anxiety is. I don't know where your fear and your worry is coming from. But listen to me carefully. God can handle it. And that doesn't mean he'll do exactly exactly what we want or he'll handle it the way we should but God's got this and you can look at your problem sometimes and you can be like I can't figure this out this is too hard even for God there is not a good answer or solution listen it may be out of your control but it's always under his control so what's out of your control today what is it that's stressing you out and you're thinking, I can't figure out how to fix this. I can't figure out how to solve this. I can't figure out. No, you can't, but he can. Because when it's out of your control, it's still under his control. Third thing I want to tell you is this. Jesus said this in verse 33. If you'll take care of his business, he'll take care of your business. He said, don't be a worrywart, and he ended with some powerful words. He said, unbelievers worry about everything in this life. Don't be like them. You're different from them. You have a heavenly father. Don't don't be like unbelievers. Number two, he said, your heavenly father knows every need you have, all of them. What an enormous comfort that is. And then number three, he said, you take care of his business on earth, and he'll take care of your business on earth. Wait, what, what? What? Close your Bibles. Let me preach for five more minutes, and I'm done. Because I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I want you to hear what Jesus said. He, you say, preacher, I got all these worries. I get it. Have all this anxiety. What's the cure? Here's the cure for anxiety and worrying. Here's what Jesus said. Go all in on the kingdom of God. Now, I know that doesn't seem right. When I've got all this stuff going on, the last thing I can worry about is serving God. The last thing I can worry about is obedience to God. But here's what God says do. Seek first the kingdom of God. That is, the top of your priority list is the kingdom. And get this, here's the amazing thing. What a beautiful word of scripture. If the top of your priority list is his kingdom, then the top of his priority list will be your kingdom. Get that. If the top of your priority list is the kingdom of God, then the top of his priority list is going to be your kingdom. In short, he's telling you not to worry about all the things you worry about. You worry about the kingdom of God. What a beautiful phrase. And all these things, all these things you're worrying about, I got them. This week I did a graph. You can go to Google Books and you can can graph how often words are used in literature for the past 200 years. If you go all the way back to 1800 and you look up the word worry, there has been from 1800 till now a 7,000% increase. It was such an enormous increase in the use of the word worry that I had to find a, a program online that let me compare two numbers so I could type both numbers in and get the percentage increase. It's over a 7,000% increase in the, in the use of the word worry in literature from 1800 up until now. We are worrying about far more things. Let me tell you where we used to be. In 1900, less than 10% of families... Owned a stove or had electricity or a telephone in 1900. In 1915, less than 10% of families owned a car. In 1930, less than 10% of households in America owned a refrigerator or a clothes washer. In 1945, less than 10% of families owned a clothes dryer or an air conditioner. In 1960, less than 10% of families owned a dishwasher or a color TV. My kids make fr- fun of that phrase color TV as if they've never heard of any other kind. <laughs> Josh asks us, "What is a color TV? Does it have a does it have like a colorful cabinet around it or something?" No, it used to come in black and white. Enzyme. 1975 less than 10% of families owned a microwave. In 1990 Less than 10% of families had a cell phone or access to the Internet. So let's compare that to 2018. Over 90% of households in America own a stove, have electricity, a car, a refrigerator, a clothes washer, a dryer, an air conditioner, a color TV, a microwave, access to the Internet, and own a cell phone. Over 90%. Yet, we are less happy than we've ever been. Worry, according to literature, is up 7,000% since 1800. We have all the stuff we need. But worrying about getting us stuff hasn't made us happier at all. And God knows that. And so God says, here's what I want you to do. Worry about kingdom things first. Hey, if you have money problems, tithe first. You say, well, preacher, I don't have the, I don't have the, I can't tithe. I've got money problems. Well, Jesus would disagree because he said in Matthew 6, seek you first the kingdom of God and he'll take care of everything else. You say, well, you would never do that. I have written ties checks. I didn't have the money in the bank to cover and literally was praying for a miracle before it got to the church. You got time problems? You say, preacher, I'm stressed because I don't have enough time to get everything done. Let me tell you this. Spend time the first part of your day in word, in his Bible, and in prayer, and God will multiply your minutes. You say, I don't don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to pray. I've got weight." you don't know what I've got going on. I, I get it, but I do know Jesus said this. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll multiply what you need multiplied. You have relationship problems, you say, preacher. I, I just got I got enormous amounts of. You don't know the people I'm having a fool with deal with. Can I tell you this? Then invite somebody to church and tell them about Jesus. I don't have time to be inviting people to church and telling people about Jesus. I, I got stuff. I got people I got to worry about. Listen to me. You tell somebody about Jesus and let God work on that other person's heart. Here's what Jesus is trying to tell us. If you get consumed with your kingdom, don't miss this. If you get consumed with your kingdom, you will become a worrywart that quickly. And God knows it. The the fixation of fixing your own problems has never worked. Never. And the minute you become consumed with your kingdom, you'll be a worrywart. And so God said this, get consumed with his. You take care of his business and he will take care of yours. So are you a worrywart? Here's three words. Keep your anxieties in the lens of eternity. What you're worrying about today won't matter at all a million years from now. You realize what's out of your control is under his control. Somebody say amen right there. Thank God. And if you'll take care of his business, he'll take care of yours. Would you stand with me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior of your life, I'm going to tell you I'm not trying to take worry away from you. I'm trying to add worry to you because you should be worried. You should be anxious. You're one heartbeat away from an eternity in a place called hell and eternity doesn't end. And so here's the good news. It can be solved today by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you'd like to become a Christian, you're not, and God has filled your heart with anxiousness and dread. Listen, that is the Spirit of God doing that. I don't care if you're a church member somewhere, I don't care. God's not calling a church roll when we get to heaven. He's calling people's names who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the only way you can get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life is to ask Jesus To save you and so here's what I want you to do right where you stand right where you are if you'd like to trust Jesus as your Savior and know that your eternity is secure I want you to pray with me right now it's not the words you say but it's the intent of your heart to follow Jesus if you'd like to become a Christian today you can do it right now God's pounding on your heart's door you can pray something like this with me out louder in your heart say dear Lord Jesus I know I can't save myself And I know Christ died on the cross for my sins so I could be saved. I know he rose again on the third day so I could live victoriously. And so just now, I ask Jesus into my life. I put my faith in him alone to save me. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins and give me a home in heaven? While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe we hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Pvine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.pvine.org. Thanks for listening.